This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd, I'd like for you to pay close attention. Lean into your speakers. Um, we have a very important message for you, and we feel like we can't, it wouldn't be appropriate to shout the message or be loud and obnoxious as we usually are. So it's a very important message. We received some interesting communications this week about, um, about our show, and uh, so we want to address some of those things. So I would like to first start by addressing this portion of the show. Um, uh, Pedro, Mrs. Pedro, if you're listening, uh, that's for you. Now, Billy also had something he wanted to say, right, Billy? You know what I mean? Apparently, apparently we shouldn't be opening pop cans and uh, <laughs> having such crappy audio levels <laughs> on the show. <laughs> we got some funny messages this week about Billy's. Billy has a record of uh, incompetence. No, that's not kind. Um, <laughs> it might tr- be accurate, true, though. accurate, but not kind. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not my fault. Rec- there are apparently, members rec- of Mercy Me. Report, apparently, recording. <laughs> Interviews with international recording stars in his garage. <laughs> look, it's not, look. If you have more than three members of your group, I'm sorry, know, it's going to be a problem. Not, you're not in a professional studio and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, we got some, we got some good-natured and appropriate, I should say, ribbing about I'm the audio still levels coughing. from the Can show. Can we talk about the cough? And for my open, my open, my opening of cokes. Yeah, nobody mentioned the coughing, the hacking and coughing that happened. <coughs> oh, I, there's some interviews where there's going to be a lot of coughing coming up. There was so some, we should do like a there count was some cough coughing contest. I, when I was editing audio this week. There was some coughing happening in those interviews. Oh yeah, there was. Well, oh, because I actually convinced myself that if I <laughs> muted the microphone, that it wouldn't pick up the cough. Right. Right. So there's one where I like hack my brains out that hasn't been released yet. It's going to be really good. <laughs> anyway. So the opening, the uh, anyone's wondering why we don't have a slot on the Blaze Radio. <laughs> <laughs> the audio, the the subpar audio, was one thing that came up. And the other thing that came up, and I loved this. Pedro and Mrs. Pedro created a uh, a pie chart of number of when I open a Coke can during the show, and it's divided up by number of minutes into the show that that is done. So anyway, that one was for them. Because I love pie. Pedro, Pedro said it annoyed him. So anyway. I do love pie. So earlier this week, we've had a lot of, I want to say pushback, but a lot of response and discussion about an interview that we did earlier this <laughs> week. If you remember, um, a guy named Josh Feirstein, Feirstein, is that right? Feirstein, I think Josh Feirstein posted a, a, a video that went viral last weekend. Mega viral. And he was complaining about uh, Starbucks and their plain red cups, demonically saying, red cups, and saying that it was an example of taking Christ out of Christmas. 
or am I being fair? Is it ta- it's it's <coughs> no, taking away yes, the meaning of and, and uh, taking away from the meaning of Christmas or whatever. Removing Jesus, right, yes, from right. Christmas. <laughs> somehow, somehow making their cups plain red cups. Remove Jesus from Christmas. Uh, now, that wasn't... Anyway, so we then did an interview with him a day or two later that also got a lot of attention. And we wanted to make sure that people understood kind of where we stood on it. We wanted to let him have a chance to have his say. I think we were fair. I think that we indicated that regardless of whether or not you agree with the specific uh, star- complaint about Starbucks red cups, that the larger point... Uh, <laughs> Billy's coughing his brains out with the mute button pushed. <laughs> I didn't hear it, so I just saw it. There you go. Flem was hitting the camera that you were... Uh, anyway, but he, but we, I think I correct me if I'm wrong, Billy. I think that we were fair. We let him have his say, but I think we also indicated that really it's not the cops. That's the point that there's needs to be a larger point of where's our culture going when it, when it's in its recognition of Christmas, right. Or, and what's important at Christmas or the Christmas spirit or holiday or whatever. Tell me what your, your takeaway was. My takeaway was that, you know, when, when you look at, whether or not a company like Starbucks, which is a private company that is not a Christian company, secular company, yep, yeah, should be required to celebrate Christmas. The answer is no. Look, conservatives went crazy yep. um, and, and continue to go crazy about how businesses should be people too, and they should get to do whatever they want. Well, you know, you're allowing a company then to do whatever they want, and when they do whatever they want and they create a red cup, you now want to create a boycott to mandate yeah. that they celebrate Christmas. Yes. I mean, it's very weird. Right. All it, of it is very weird. It, but my central takeaway, and this is nothing against Josh. Right. I think a lot of people are calling him a nut job and what a lot of people are going after him. My central takeaway is that being somebody who's been to Starbucks four times in the last 30 hours, which, which is, is a true story, which, which indicates to me, not that you really have a caffeine or a coffee problem, but that apparently you are overpaid. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I only get regular. I didn't, I do not get specialty drinks from Starbucks. Okay. So you're, it's, you're paying like $2 a coffee. Fine. Anyway, right. still, I don't yeah. normally go that much, but I went three times for myself and one time for my wife um, yesterday. Now, I, I was standing next to a $44.95 advent calendar, which a lot of people have pointed out they're selling, and a giant display of Christmas blend coffee <laughs> with the word Christmas exactly. all over the exactly. place. And, exactly. and Merry Christmas gift cards that you could buy for right. people. So, look. Oh, but but my, my bombshell story that I think was the best story on the Blaze all week, even though nobody cared about it, was the fact that they are selling a cup that says joy on it in yes. big letters, that's, just that's, like Dunkin' Donuts is. I know. I know. And that's and that's the thing for me. Like the, the you and I had this discussion off air. And actually my wife and I had this dis- discussion. It was funny. She was making the same points that you and I were making, but she never heard our discussion on this. But she's looking of at Of course the, she didn't. She doesn't listen. <laughs> right. She has no idea what you and I have said. But even the stuff that we said that was offered that wasn't recorded, she was echoing those same points, and I thought it was interesting because my wife is like Nancy Nazarene kind of deal. I mean, she's like super church lady, and I don't mean that in a negative way. That's just who she is, and she's very. Um, we got to keep the Christ in Christmas, and she and she's one of those people who will wear the button and says it's okay to wear wish me Merry Christmas. She's that kind of person, but she's oh, also a huge buttons. Starbucks fan, and she was going off to me the other day. She says, "What is this?" crap about protesting starbucks red cups she says it's red and green 
That is a celebration of Christmas. She says they sell Christmas coffee. I mean, she was just going ape about it. I said, oh, I know, I know, I know. And she said, they have different designs every year, which again, this is something you and I have talked about. They have different designs every Christmas, every Christmas. That's why the, that's why the big cup, the red cup thing was a big deal to begin with because everybody wanted to see what's their 2015 Christmas design. Right. And they went with a minimalist approach. Okay. The one thing, can I just say, the one thing that I love about this though, that I think is so, so stupid, nobody, I'm sorry, I don't have time when I'm getting my coffee to use the blank slate to write my own message on the cup. I did it to promote the church boys, but yeah, that right. argument Idiot. from Starbucks that's is sort stupid. of ridiculous. That's stupid. No, that's where argument, the, where, where Starbucks, listen, I'm totally on board with what Starbucks wanted to do with the, oh, with the minimalist red cups. I thought they looked nice. I thought they were classy looking. I like them. They're clean looking. They're just, they look really good. Okay. Totally support that. The only place where Starbucks hurt themselves in my mind was the was the ridiculous press release after the whole conundrum, <laughs> after the whole brouhaha, after the we whole. We welcome people. This is the place of refuge for the right. heathens, you know. <laughs> okay. So then they so then they took it, and what they did was they made Josh's point for him. Right. Right. Yeah. You just you just leave it the heck alone. And yeah, but at Josh what point do they like want the nut. PR? What? But at what point do they want? You know, part of me wonders. It's like okay, well, we're getting a ton of press about this, right. and. Jo- everyone already thinks Josh is nutty. Right. So why don't we just go there with it to create more debate and more drama? And then the next day they release, here's a here's a time lapse of how we set up for Christmas. Like, right. you know, they, they're just but putting things out to fuel it, which my, I think is thing, smart. Yeah. My thing, though, with the press release as far as we want to make this an open place, we want everybody to feel welcome. That press release, listen. 98% of Christians, people who are bothered by this kind of stuff, or, you know, who could be bothered by this kind of stuff, 98% of those people didn't agree with Josh, would be my guess, right? 98, 95%. Right, I don't right, know. It's right. a huge, as far as just going by comments that we've seen. I don't have any scientific numbers. I don't have any numbers to back this up. This is just my my take, okay? Huge. And let's say 95% of people said, Josh, I understand what you're saying, but I disagree. It's a, it's a red cup. It's Starbucks. I like it. I'm not going to. But when Starbucks does that, I think it goes from 98, 95% of people saying, Josh, you're a nut, to 90% of people saying, Josh, you're a nut. Now, Starbucks loses that that much business with simply that stupid press release. Everything else that they did in response is fine. But when they go and they just, what they do is affirm what Josh is, is claiming about them, it seems Josh was coming across as a nut to a lot of people. Well, that's, you know, so the, why did yes. they make, why did they legitimize what he said? Well, look, his whole argument was that he wrote Merry Christmas on the cup when they asked for his Which name. Which I thought was everyone, great. I thought that, that was great. And that everyone should do it. Yeah. But here's the thing. Their argument is, oh, well, we created a blank slate for you to write whatever you want. The whole press release seemed, and maybe they were already saying that before. I don't know. Yeah. But the whole press release seemed like a response to Josh that validated everything he had done and said. Yeah, right. Which is what I thought was sort of funny. That was, that was weird. But, Look, this doesn't hurt Starbucks. They're they're a no. huge coffee giant. The fact that Duncan came out with the Joy Cup yep. is interesting. But what is even more bizarre is that Starbucks did not go out and say, "Look, we have a Joy Cup too." They didn't plug that at all. It wasn't for sale on their website, they didn't and it need came to. out the day before the Duncan Cup. Yeah, they didn't need to. I mean, Starbucks just says, "You know what? Say what you want about <laughs> us." For the most part, except for the that that, that press release in, re, in in response to the the again to the kerfuffle was weird to me. It was a little weird. I think, you know, saying that they're a place for refuge during the holidays for people I thought was a little odd. And I also thought, 
yes, that may be true. Nobody's saying that can't be true. And nobody's right. saying an atheist that doesn't celebrate Christmas can't go or somebody of another religion can't go to Starbucks on the holiday. But that's just implicit. Why are we saying it? And why right. Why did you even do the Red Cup then? Then you start yeah. to ask those questions. If right. this is, if it's so offensive or if, if you're trying to be so inclusive, then you might as well just keep your white cups. I'm glad they did the Red Cup. I think it's great. They could do whatever they want. Uh, look, I'd still go there if they kept a white cup and didn't do anything. Yes. I, I like Starbucks. I, I, just I understand that. the Planned Parenthood stuff and all the other arguments, but you know, I I tend to believe. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. It, it's hard when it comes to what where should you put your money and where should you not. I do believe in supporting businesses that share values sure. that, that I yeah. that I have. But I don't know I'm as motivated. It really takes a lot for me to stop going somewhere that I like. Yeah. Well, and my wife was the same way because my wife is a and she's a she's a Starbucks nut like you are. I mean, you you two are peas in a pod, which is why I don't want you anywhere near each other. Because <laughs> it'll mean it'll be terrible for me. But she said, she said, and if Starbucks next year gets rid of red and green cups and just has plain white cups, she says, I don't care. Right? That was her thing. It's like they're not a Christian company. They're a secular company. She said, right. who cares? And and so and and I, I agree with that. Now, I didn't say to her, and I guess I could, to those people who say, I don't care what Starbucks says, why are you then mad when Target or Walmart hangs up happy holidays signs instead of Merry Christmas signs? Why I think it's you know, the there's, same there, there's, <clears throat> it's a very similar it's, similar thing, except for the fact that Starbucks is still celebrating Christmas and it's not they don't make it wasn't like they had Christmas cups that said you know, Jesus is the reason for the season on them. They had different holiday designs and they have always had different holiday designs. Look, the Merry Christmas thing is interesting because look, I don't, if you know somebody's Jewish and they don't celebrate Christmas, I'm not going to go up to them and say Merry Christmas. I do think there's a middle ground with that issue. I think it gets absurd when we get too politically correct, but I also think the notion that everybody should be mandated mandated to right. every business, every person to say Merry Christmas. Well, some people don't celebrate Christmas, right. and right. I'm not going to go and try to offend them just because. So I get the Happy right. Holidays thing. I don't love it, but I get it. Right. Um, and I think the same. You're right. It's the same premise, right? But, but, Whether it's you know, Walmart or Target. But I, I, I have enough sensible Jewish friends who say it doesn't bother me when somebody right. says Merry Christmas to me because it's Christmas time. I don't expect right. to, uh, most people celebrate Christmas, not Hanukkah. I don't expect expect it to be on the forefront of people's minds to say Happy Hanukkah to me. I expect but I Merry be Christmas during Christmas time. But it doesn't bother me either way. I wouldn't I'm, be offended I'm, if somebody said Happy Hanukkah Jewish, to me. If I mean, a Jewish person said to me Happy Hanukkah. Fine, happy Hanukkah, right? Yeah, look, Whatever. I mean, Whatever. this goes into everything so else, too. The nativities and all that stuff, too. I mean, all of these debates are absurd. But it's different. I mean, the nativity fight is different from the say Merry Christmas thing because the nativity fight is the government removing a religious picture from society, one that has existed for a long time. The Merry Christmas fight is private businesses telling... Right telling their people don't say Merry Christmas or we prefer you say Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas or we're not going to hang a Christmas sign, but we will have a holiday sign. Well, that it, carries over to government, right, though, too, because, uh, you know, Christmas break, a lot of school districts changing it to winter break right. or changing it to, you know, holiday break or whatever because they don't... I think that we get so hypersensitive on these things. There have been two nativities in the past week, um, one in Michigan 
or Minnesota, I'm sorry, one in Minnesota um, and another one I'm forgetting where right now that have been removed, one by a judge's order, one by a city council. So this is an issue again. You know, look, these atheists need hobbies. I don't understand why (laughs) they're spending all of their time writing letters to everybody and threatening to sue everybody. There are a lot of poor people to feed, okay? So why don't you go and you take all of your time and your effort and you go feed those poor people instead of worrying about a nativity scene. How about that? (laughs) Works for me. Okay. So hear that Freedom from Religion Foundation? Did you hear me? <laughs> I'm kidding. I I I do I think. Look, I respect people standing up for what they believe in. Yes. I just think they believe in something silly. Or are they just they or are they or they highlight their priorities are maybe silly, right? They well, they they prioritize being offended or not being offended versus the 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 meat of their argument or the meat of their belief. Christians well, it, do well, it too. Christians and non-Christians do it. Oh, totally. No, look, Christians can be just as obnoxious about different things. <laughs> the, you know, thus the red cup fight. Right, exactly. My, my thing is that when you live in a society where a vast majority of a community out in, that are they're near a courthouse, let's say, right. they celebrate a holiday, um, and another portion, let's say you have Christians and you have Jews, in a lot of the communities in Westchester County where I live outside of New York City, you have both. You have a Christmas tree and you have a big menorah that they light. Right. And and that's fine because that is reflective of the community of the people living there. It's their exactly. government. It's their taxpayer dollars. I'm sorry that not everybody celebrates, but that that's fine. Atheists don't have a holiday that they're celebrating at that right. time unless they celebrate Christmas. Right. And the whole point of Christmas, right. I'm sorry, is the nativity. So yes. I just, it's, it's Looney Tunes. Yeah. All right. So you and I need to go take a break here and we'll do a little, we'll do a regular commercial break without commercials. <laughs> if anybody out there is looking to carry the show, um, uh, we're not actually seriously pushing that out there. Um, we need we to go do an interview. Should we tell people what the interview is we're going to go do right now? Or do we want to save it just in case, you know, Let's tell him. Let's tell him. Let's let's. So what's what's coming up, Billy? After David, David, David Limbaugh. Yes, we David Limbaugh. We have we have brushes. We have rushes. uh, Better, (laughs) better. (laughs) We have we have rushes. uh, Better looking, uh, you know, brother here on the. We have Combs. Combs's uh, Combs's brother and (laughs) brushes sister. (laughs) So we're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna take a break right now. Go record this interview, and then we'll have it for you uh, here on the other side of this. Or we'll be right back. Bye. Back to the church boys. Welcome back. We had a great interview, and we are going to present that interview to you. It is with David Limbaugh, no, the what's author. The, what's, no, wait, what's the last name again? Limbaugh, it's, it's Rush's uni- little it's brother, uni- right? Or oh, is yeah, it a- yeah, yeah. Wait, is he younger or older than Rush? I don't know. We should know that, but we don't. We should know um, that. Rush's brother. That would require me um, moving my mouse around and clicking, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Author of the new book, Chris Field's Diabolical Plan to Take Over America. <laughs> no. <it's- laughs> Limbaugh actually has a great new book out. It's called The Emmaus Code, How Jesus Reveals Himself Through the Scriptures. It's really focused on the Old Testament, and I'm not going to give too much away because we we talked with him for quite a while, actually, yeah. about about the book and about what his hope is and what he's hoping to do yeah. with it. And so I, I'm not going to continue talking. I'm just going to let David Limbaugh do the talking. Roll it. 
It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I have Chris Field on the line. We have a very special guest today. We've got David Limbaugh. How you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So you've been you've been busy the last couple of days uh, doing a lot of interviews to talk about your new book, The Emmaus Code. Uh, I guess you know, my first question for you is, you know, what was your motivation? You've written a number of very interesting books um, about Christ, about faith, about your journey. What was your motivation for this book? Well, about uh, 20 years ago, I embarked on a project to write an Old Testament primer because I came to, to Christ largely through the Old Testament exposure to the Messianic prophecies there. And I was enthusiastic about that and wanted to write a book um, tracing Christ's uh, foreshadowing through the Old Testament, not just through Messianic prophecies, but typology and other things, the covenants. Uh, but I started on it, and the project fizzled for various reasons. And then I've written, I hadn't written any books for publication yet, or any columns. I've since written you know, two columns a week for 17 years, and political columns, and seven books, six books, this was the seventh. And I thought, why well, I want to revisit this topic um, and write a book on it now that I've kind of established myself in it, not as a, some kind of a genius or great writer, but now I've, been, I've got a little platform. I'm going to go back to it. And so I did. It's a culmination of a project that began 20 years ago to show uh, the importance, the foundational importance of the Old Testament uh, to the New Testament, and that it's part one of a two-act play, and it's every much, very bit as much a part of the Bible as the, the New Testament is. You know, it's funny. I, I I find it interesting that you said you came to Christ as a result of of diving into the Old Testament. I feel like a lot of Christians today uh, tend to avoid or not fo- at least not focus as much on the Old Testament uh, for for a variety of reasons. But but why do you why do you think that is? Because it seems for you it's had a huge impact. Yes, and unaided by Christian apologists who are directing me to the messianic nature of it, I might not have caught it alone myself. Uh, it, there's a lot of arcane names, dates, places, genealogies, and it's hard to get your mind wrapped around all of it. Uh, the history is difficult. And I, so in this book, I devote two chapters to summarizing Old Testament history with the idea that people will, if they can just read this, then they have an idea and then they can go back and read the Bible. Cause I, I can't, you know, I know that God doesn't need my help in uh, explicating the old Testament, uh, that, that it's God's word. and He speaks for himself. But I do think that he created us as relational beings and to help each other. And he wants us to help each other. If we can facilitate on human terms our understanding of various things, especially his word, as long as we don't deviate from it, I think he would approve of that. And so it's kind of like a, I've taught Sunday school several times on the Old Testament, and I, I think it's kind of an outworking of that kind of a spirit where I want to help facilitate other people's learning and understanding of the Old Testament in the same way that I learned it uh, through various resources. And so I do that, and I, I go through not just the Old Testament history, but I show how foundationally important the Old Testament is. Then I show all the uh, themes and prefigurings, uh, the foreshadowings of Christ in general, and discuss those as each as a category. Then I move on to the actual books of the Bible and give an overview of each of those, before turning to the Christ-centeredness and show specifically how Christ 
is present in each and every one of those uh, Old Testament books uh, to to a greater or lesser extent, to a direct or indirect uh, manner of of, of uh, exposure. You know, see, the Old Testament, God chose to give us, give us his truth uh, progressively. So the Old Testament, uh, Christ appears in shadowy form, uh, but he's in clear focus and relief for us in the New Testament. And we have the benefit of that, the hindsight benefit of the New Testament writers. So now we can go back and look at the words of the Old Testament and see what the people at the time couldn't see uh, and and how he's marvelously revealed his redemptive plan from the very beginning of time. Wow. Are there any are there any specific parts? I know there's so many different places where um, Jesus emerges and references to Jesus emerge. Are there any that stand out the most to you, or that that resonated the most with you in the beginning of your journey, especially, and then and then also now um, having been a Christian for some time? Well, one thing that that blew me away, I think, it got me over the tipping point from skeptic to believer, was. The amazing messianic prophecies that were fulfilled in such specificity, and I'll give you a few. Micah 5 2, the prophet Micah in the Old Testament, predicted the, the actual city of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem. Um, the um, Isaiah 53 and Psalms 22, read those together, and you will be blown away with the detail Christ's life, death, and resurrection hmm. is revealed is predicted. You know, he no bones will be broken. He'll be falsely accused. He will stand silent in the face of his accusers. Um, he uh, will be ridiculed and scorned and mocked. His robe, they'll, they'll, they'll throw out, they'll gamble for his, uh, for his robe and his clothes. He'll be buried along with the, uh, or he'll be crucified along with the sinners, the transgressors. Uh, and uh, he, then, then of course, it goes into the, 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 when I said no bones will be broken. All of this stuff is is foreshadowed in the actual crucifixion. They, the Romans didn't have to break his bones because he was already dead. And they could tell he was already dead. They didn't even have to verify it like they usually do. And so um, he, he would be pierced. They pierced his side um, after the crucifixion. It, it is just, it is so amazing to me when I read it. And but there's also, of course, that that was then, and of course those prophecies still blow me away. But the the things I've discovered since then, and I discuss in this book, such as the covenants, God's covenantal plan from the beginning of time to set us on a path of redemption, which He began in Genesis 3:15 when He promised, when He told the serpent He was going to put enmity between Him and the seed of a woman, the offspring of a woman. Well, there's no other person that's ever been born that is merely the offspring of a woman and not a man. Jesus was born to Mary, human being, and the Holy Spirit, not Joseph. And so I, where I used to think that was just some, amaz- uh, some ridiculous stretch that, that hopeful Christians were trying to write Christ into every nook and cranny of the Old Testament, and that was ridiculous to call that a Messianic prophecy, I now know that it specifically is, and Paul has affirmed, it affirmed, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 4.4, the seed of the woman is Christ. They were talking about Christ, and he not only said that, he's going to put in between them, but uh, he will bruise your heel, and you shall bruise his head. Now, 
that the meaning of that, in my view, is that Satan will be allowed to injure Christ, his heel. You know, that no no fatal blow there. I, I, but Christ will bruise Satan's head, meaning a fatal blow. Now, Christ was delivered a, a physically fatal blow on the cross, but note that he did that voluntarily. And right. further note that in the very process of going to the cross on his own, on our behalf, uh, and allowing Satan to, to injure him, he destroyed Satan's sin and death. Unbeknownst to Satan, it was through the very process of allowing Satan to injure him that he triumphed over death on the cross to provide salvation for all those who placed their faith in him. And so those those two apostles, are disciples on the way to Emmaus Road, who were so mistaken about the Christ's purpose and so dejected because he hadn't delivered Israel militarily and politically uh, from Rome, uh, would later discover when Christ took them through all the scriptures, and the only scriptures we have, they had was the Old Testament, and showed where all those scriptures pointed to him, they would later discover through this, these revelations uh, that, that Christ was indeed uh, prefigured, that, it, that when he died on the cross, that it was a triumphant death, that it was not about defeating the Romans politically, it was about defeating sin and conquering the sin nature conquering Satan and offering us a path to eternal life. And you think about how much more transcendent that, that is and how much how much more permanent that is than a military victory over, over an empire, which in, in the scheme of history is always fleeting. No empire lasts right. forever anyway. Right. So it, it is just, to me, an amazing story. And that story, that promise of redemption in Genesis 3.15 is carried through throughout the entirety of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. God is sovereign. He will not be thwarted. Even when Israel, which he had set aside as his chosen nation to be a nation of priests and, and to mediate the gospel to all of mankind, uh, even when they dissipated, when they were disobedient, he would remove them from the land. He would punish them, which, by the way, he had promised to Abram in, in Genesis uh, 12. He would remove them, he would punish them, but he would never be thwarted. Even when all, and, and backing up a little bit, even when mankind had reached its wretched state at the time of Noah, God wasn't going to allow human beings to thwart his own plan for their redemption. It's like, we want to kill ourselves, we want to extinguish ourselves from the face of the earth. No, I'm as miserable as you are, as much as you deserve it, we're going to preserve a godly line in Noah, and he's going to bring forth, resurrect the 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 redemptive plan and keep it alive and it was kept alive through the line of david as prophesied that the messiah would come through david and you can trace all the way back jesus is a direct descendant of david tribe of judah on and on and on right and all of the covenants and i discussed eight of them find their fulfillment in jesus christ in the new testament wow so i was i, I was going to say david i i was uh Billy and I were talking about your book beforehand, and Billy Billy's extremely rude to me and mean to me, and he didn't get me a copy of your book, so I've not had a chance to read it. Um, <laughs> Billy doesn't read books that don't have pictures or coloring crayons involved, and so, you know, next time send next time send it to me, uh, and and we'll anyway. I'm just kidding. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, the I loved the title of the book, the Emmaus Coat, and uh, uh, you know, I'm sure Ravi Zacharias. 
he is my absolute favorite apologist. I love listening to him speak. I love I love reading his books. I love hearing the things that he has to say because it's so insightful. And he said once, and I totally agree with this, and this is where I've stood for a long time anyway, but it was fun, it was nice to hear someone of Ravi's stature say something that I found, you know, I go, hey, he actually agrees with me. Not that he needed to, but the, the conversation he would like to be a part of more than any other conversation in the Bible that's mentioned in the Bible is that conversation on the road to Emmaus. And then when they go to the disciples' house, house and Jesus, you know, unfolds the scripture for them and says, here's this and here's this. And all this stuff we've been talking about, I'm it. I mean, this guy's it. This Jesus guy, he's it. And reveals all that stuff to him. Anyway, I, th- I thought that I thought that your title of your book is just brilliant. And was that was that was that your idea? Or do you need to give that I- that credit to somebody else? No, I have to give credit uh, to my publisher who came up, which came up with that idea. I thought it was totally brilliant too, playing off the Da Vinci Code, a little mystery, but it's yeah. all about Jesus being the code to unlocking the mystery of the Old Testament. It's all about Jesus Christ. But since you mentioned Robbie, I don't know if you know this, but he is a good friend of mine, and I have your, the same experience you have had uh, from 20 years back. I was reading him, and I. I find him by far the most compelling uh, Christian writer. Yeah. I don't want to say the most compelling apologist because there's millions of, not millions, so many others of my friends, Josh McDowell and sure. Norman Geiser, and they're all unbelievable and they're different. But Ravi is a, a quintessential uh, philosophical Christian thinker, and uh, he's become a friend over the years. And in fact, that very quote you're talking about, our hearts burned within us when, and when the disciples, when Jesus opened himself up to them and showed how the Old Testament all pointed to him, they said to each other after he left, did our hearts not burn within us? Ravi has talked about what that meant, the profundity of it, the significance of it, and I quote that very section, Ravi's article on Mm. the Emmaus Code and Jesus on trial, my previous book, which he endorsed, by the way, and which he gave out copies of to his entire uh, RZIM uh, founders meeting. Last wow. year at this time, he wow. gave away 300 of these copies of my previous book. So we we go way back to, and I'm gratified to see that you, we share that <laughs> adoration and admiration for Robbie. I mean, outside of outside of having Jesus Himself come down and pass out your book, I mean, you can't get a much better recommendation than having Robbie pass it out, right? You can't accuse me of name dropping because <laughs> you and I may be the only ones in this conversation that know. But I am name dropping to you, and I'm yeah. bragging and I'm gloating that's, that I'm friends with him. That's that's amazing. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you another. As you would. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. Isn't he just amazing? Isn't oh. he, tell Billy. Tell Billy what we're talking about. <laughs> Billy. Well, no, it's funny because Chris has talked about him many times, and I'm I'm very I'm familiar with him, uh, of course, but I have not read a lot of his work, and I've been inspired by Chris to do it once there's a spare time, a spare moment to do so. So yeah. once I get through right, your book, right. I'm going to definitely hop on that book. <laughs> on his so so uh, you'll have a good contrast of intellectuality there. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, David, I wanted to ask you a question about. Um, your uh, potentially what's in the book, or, or or at least old Old Testament references to Christ. Now, I agree totally. The amazing fulfillment of prophecy that we see embodied in Christ, I think that is absolutely stunning. All of that stuff's amazing. I'm curious that, and maybe a lot of our listeners aren't aware of this theory or this belief, and it's backed up. In fact, my pastor subscribes to it uh, largely, or at least doesn't discount it. I should say, and. Um, and that is the appearance of Christ actually himself in the Old Testament. Uh, and, yeah, and, right. I, and 
I, I, don't, I was wondering if you could address that. The, the only example I can come up r- right off the top of my head is, is the experience that Gideon had when he's called a mighty warrior. And there's discussion and debate that perhaps that was Christ himself and not simply an angel. What are your thoughts on that, on that theory of Christ appearing in person uh, in the Old Testament? Well, in fact, I, I talk about that as one of the many threads, the, the messianic threads that course through the Old Testament. The, uh, they are called, the thing you're referring to is the pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus Christ before he became uh, a human being, born as a human being. Right. They're called Christophanies by the theologians. Right. Now, a theophany is just when God appears to us in the form of a man, but a Christophany is when specifically Jesus does. So it's kind of a subset of theophany. So I talk about that. It's a it's a visual manifest. I can't even talk. Visual manifestation of God to human beings, and there. Now, when I say a pre-incarnate appearance. He was not actually a human being in these Christophanies. This is Old Testament, but he appeared as one. He became actually human in the New Testament, and he remains fully human and fully divine right. to this day, right. uh, in, in, according to the, the Christian theology that I believe. But they're, they're a valuable component of progressive revelation because God makes himself known while introducing the only person of the Trinity who the invisible God would make visible. The, God the Father has never seen. You look on him and you die. The the, uh, the Holy Spirit has never been seen of, because he's spirit, except when he appeared as a dove. The Christ, we believe Christ appeared. When, in those instances in the Old Testament where God appeared in human form, uh, that it was Christ. Whether it's Melchizedek, the great high priest, you can say he was a type of Christ or that was a Christophany. You know, the, the actual Christ there. And, and a lot of times we talk about, the Bible talks about the angel of Jehovah or the angel of the Lord or messenger of the Lord. A lot of conservative biblical scholars believe that those are examples of Christ in his Christophany. And that occurred like 56 times in the Old Testament, many times in the wilderness warnings. You know, he, was, he appeared to them, he guided Israel through their meanderings in the, in the wilderness. And uh, he also is believed to have appeared to Abraham and when he told him not to sacrifice his son Isaac mm. after God first said he would, he, he, they believe that uh, the, angel, the angel of the Lord, who was Christ, strikes down 185,000 Assyrians to protect Jerusalem. Uh, and also when he was wrestling with Jacob, right. the, uh, the God wrestling with Jacob there, they believe that was a Christophany. So mm. I'm glad you brought that up. And by the way, even the church fathers believe that. Okay. The early church fathers. All right. Yeah. So I'm not so I'm not me, I'm not preaching heresy here then. I'm I'm all right. Absolutely not. <laughs> so let me ask you just last as question. I'm, as if I'm an authority. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, last question for you because you've been very gracious with your time. Um, you know, and you've hinted at this a little bit in the interview, but if you could get readers to sort of walk away with one thing, what would that be from this book? What what is the central takeaway you're hoping for? If I could get them to walk away with one thing, it would be the book after they'd paid for it. <laughs> so you guys were way too delayed in that response. I had to explain I was joking. Okay, no, we, we uh, the thing I really want to do to the extent that I'm capable uh, is to ha- rekindle an interest in the Old Testament uh, with readers who might be intimidated by it or put off by it or thinking that it's not as much a part of the Bible as the New Testament, which it clearly is, 
uh, get them to to read it and get a handle, a better handle on it uh, by getting a flow of the history and, and the Christ-centeredness of it, and then go back and read the Bible itself after you have uh, these ideas explained to you, as they were to me. These are not original to me. This has been going on uh, for thousands of years. People, some people think, oh, did you just come up? No, I didn't come up with this. The Lutherans, the Catholics, evangelicals all believe this. It's just that we don't emphasize it enough. We don't talk about sin enough. The Old Testament uh, shows us. Paul called it, the Apostle Paul called it our, our guardian to, to, to uh, take care of us until Christ was born, to, Christ came, to lead us to Christ. The Old Testament shows us the depravity of our sin nature and how much we need a Savior. So it, it's part one of a part two of a two act play, and it shows us how miserable and depraved we are apart from Christ, that we can't save ourselves by our own bootstraps, right. by our own merit. This isn't a religion of works. It is a religion of grace and faith, grounded in faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ and uh, his finished work on the cross. So I want ultimately people to have a better appreciation for the Old Testament and its foundational importance with the New, with the further idea that that would make them appreciate, more fully appreciate God's redemptive plan and his incredible love that he designed this plan of redemption from the very beginning of time his plan would not be thwarted because he loved us that much. And, and, and as a result of getting to know God better by reading both parts of this two-act play, understanding his nature and his love and his perfection that much more so that their faith ultimately will be enhanced. Yeah, and you, and I, I agree. I mean, if we're going to talk about how great Jesus is, and I think that we should, and we're going to talk about how wonderful it is that he fulfills the law, we best know what that law is that he's fulfilling, don't you think? There you go. That's so right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You can't, you can't quite grasp uh, the full impact of what Jesus did and, unless you know what the forerunner was and why it was necessary. And right. yeah, yeah, you, they could have just given us the New Testament, and that's it, and the Gospel. But, but if, they, if he'd done that, we wouldn't, have any, we wouldn't have nearly the understanding that we do as a result of, of tracing Israel's actual history. 14, 1,500 years, we watch how God interacted with Israel, and, and we learn by that example, and we learn God's nature, and we learn that he's completely reliable and faithful, and what he will do when we're disobedient, and what he'll do when we're obedient, but ultimately that he's sovereign and that he's all-loving, and that he created us for our relationship with him through uh, the death of his son. Yep. Well, listen, you you have been great, and we hope that you'll come back on the show in the future. We'd love to have you again. Would love to. Thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry about the, the glitch where we couldn't get hooked up hey. the other day when I was on the mean streets of New York. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I'm glad we got hooked up today. No problem. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Okay, you guys have a great day. All right, you too. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So, does anybody have any Pepto Bismol? It's me, Chris Neal. I have stomach problems. <sighs> what was that? Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> you just totally derailed me right now. I didn't know you're going there. All right. So, oh, I know Excellent. what we're going to get into next. Now, did you know, Billy? Did you know 
that Jesus had two daddies. I did. Uh, yeah, he did. Oh. Uh, one. Well, he did have two daddies. He turned out all right. Well, he did. It didn't really end too well for him, I suppose. But No, no, that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, well, then the whole coming back to life thing was good for him. But I don't think that had to do with the two dads. But No. It had to do with one of the dads, I suppose. But So <laughs> what I love... Uh, let's We're going to just go straight to hell. Let's go. Yeah, well, you're going straight to hell. I'm uh, still uncertain. My status is uncertain right now. But <laughs> the bottom the bottom line is that this church in, in Buffalo, and I just love this story. I love it. It is great. Um, the, the church, it was a Catholic church. It They had a sign out in the yard that said, Jesus had two dads and he turned out just fine. <laughs> now, this, this Catholic, this Catholic writer uh, notices it and starts blogging about it, you know, writing about he's it. He's a sign at a Catholic church too. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. he's a Catholic. He sees it. His name's John Venari. So John Venari sees it. He writes about it on his website and I think his website's called the Catholic Family News. Um, and so after he writes about it, people start calling in from all over the world, apparently complaining oh, really? about this, yeah. telling the diocese, what's wrong with you? Why are you allowing this? The diocese demands that the church pulls the sign. And let me just tell you what they replaced the sign with, because I love this part of the story, too. So they got rid of that message and the church put up a sign that read, Walmart isn't the only saving place. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great sign. It is a great. That sign. is a great sign. That's okay, but 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 here's the thing: the excuse, the church. Okay, this is, is the, what this is what drives me nuts because they're absolutely lying here. The, the church says the church says that they were referring to the fact they have kids in the congregation who have a father, a biological father, and a stepfather, and that those kids, you know, they have two dads, and they turned out they turn they'll turn out just fine. Um, and that's that's the excuse that they're going with. But I think it's funny because the, the blogger who right. you know exposed this whole thing, he's like, uh, with respect, it seems hard to imagine anyone in our time not being aware of what two the two dads term can imply. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like you're just obviously you're just obviously lying. You're compounding your problem. First you put up this sign that has an obvious meaning, right? And then you turn around and tell the world that that's not what you were saying. <laughs> I can't. I'm telling you. I just, I can't. I love it. And if not, <coughs> if oh. not, if you didn't know, I mean, that's just, I don't know how you not know that. I I just, know. It seems it's impossible. Not, if, and if you don't know that, if it doesn't occur to you, oh, I have a visitor. She was taping a special across the hall. Just a moment. <laughs> Lucy, come here. Come here. Come say hi to Billy. But my thing is, if you don't know that, then, uh, she's so cute. If you don't know, uh, that that's what that would mean, then maybe you need to refocus what your ministry is because you obviously are totally clueless. You say, hi, Billy. Say, hi, Billy. Say, hi. You say, dun, dun, <laughs> dun, dun. And she's just looking at you. She's Who's like, that what is that? man? <laughs> Can you say hi? You're not going to say hi, are you? You're just going to sit there I and love stare it. at This him. is what Ava used to do, remember? I tried to, yes, put, my, I tried yes. to put her up and she'd just stare. <laughs> it's weird that, my, that our children would be shy of the microphone. You'd think that considering they're... they're parentage that perhaps they would speak a little bit but you're not going to say anything huh mommy did you want to come on her <laughs> handler has appeared <laughs> okay go see mama go see mommy go see her. i love it hi billy hi <laughs> what how do you know like well, that's you that's your hand right there so this is great giving my wife the whole family is involved giving, in this giving i love the it. wife and daughter a, a technical lesson here, <laughs> live on air. <laughs> I don't you love when the family comes in? I love it when the family I love comes it. in. <laughs> Clearly, there are not two dads in your family. 
Oh, this barely won. <laughs> uh, what was that? What was the last thing I we were going to talk? Oh, oh, I know. Wait, just my favorite just story of the year. Just a minute. Just a minute. Go. Okay. I absolutely <laughs> love Katy Perry's parents. And in fact, I actually interviewed them a couple years ago for The Blaze. Right. Um, her father was not very happy with me, and there was some conversation. Okay, so what but happened? No, wait, wait. Is this anything you can share what happened? I don't really know. I, I mean, the, you don't know the if you can share or you don't know what happened. on anger is probably past, but they were upset, and it was legitimate that I had used a photo, or let's just not even go there. Okay. Um, anyway. Better than me having to go back and fix it, right? Right, <laughs> yeah, right I Billy? Yeah, I think you have to it out. Um, <laughs> But but apparently this woman, this very angry woman named Christine, confronted Katy Perry's father um, and recorded it, um, confronted him outside of a radio station in Phoenix, Arizona, and just all sorts of anger spewing from this woman about Katy Perry and how well, first awful. she goes into the radio station. Yes. Well, apparently that that's what it looks like in the video. She goes in now. She apparently called, she called Katy Perry a satanic woman, <laughs> that she's going to drag her father to hell right along with her, along we with millions play, of others. You want to play a little bit of it? Yeah, just play some okay, of it, because it's amazing. And just pick a spot. Okay. Roll the wheel. I'm going to start from the beginning, and then I'll, cl I'll, I'll click again later and see where it winds up. It's, it's amazing. All right. Mr. and Mrs. Hudson. You're the Leave daughter of Katy Perry. Perry. You're the daughter of Katy Perry. Do you know that she is one of the most wicked people? She is a satanic woman who has led millions to hell. And you claim to have a ministry? You claim to have a ministry? No, sir. Then minister to your daughter because that is needed more than ever. All right, fast forward just a you little bit because it gets good. Ought to know better. When you have a girl that walks with Satan the way she does, did you see her latest video? Because I have what's called tough love. My son is playing on the road and I discipline you. Allow so wait a second. She said her son is playing on the road. Like maybe they know each other. No, no, because she's, she's, she's the she's the mother of a musician, right? He's she's he's no, playing on well, the road. I don't know, no, because keep playing that, keep okay. playing from where you are. Okay, play on the highway, and she has anything. taken you to hell right along with her, including millions of young women you and young men you who are listening to her videos. I have nothing to do with that. You yes, you do, because you just you said on. I just watched your okay. program. Okay. Come on. You just said. You think you're acting like a Christian right now? Yes, I am, because I am rebuking you, <laughs> oh, because my me. kid watches your kid's videos, oh, and it's yeah. sending him to hell oh, because of the choice about? he made, because of your daughter and your... Wait a second, wait a second. Now, <laughs> this, is the, this is the furthest I've made it, because I only made it a few seconds in when you sent it to me before you called, okay? She says to him, the parent of an adult woman... <laughs> who I agree is making bad choices. She is making, not right, him, but right, she yeah. is making bad choices. There's nothing he can do at this point other than pray for his daughter and try to minister in the ways that he can. He can't force her to stop doing the things she's doing, right? Right. This woman is mad at him, apparently for being a bad parent, for having a daughter who's leading kids to hell. Among those kids being led to hell is her own son who's watching Katy Perry's videos. Allegedly. Well, she just said he is. Right. She just said, my son is watching those videos. Yes. Um, if you're going to get on his case for bad parenting. He says might, that to her. Might I? Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we got to let this. Okay. We'll let this play then. <laughs> for lack of discernment and direction, shame on you. 
you're not a parent. You'll be held accountable for what you have done and allowed her to do. Watch her video, E.T. Have you seen her video, E.T.? Until you can judge others, you should judge yourself. You call yourself a Christian. I have a right to judge you. I have every right to judge you. And the fruit of your tree is pretty rotten. Along, along with your daughters. You don't know it. I watched the video E.T. made by your daughter. She's having a sex with demons on the video. She's having a sex with demons on the video. Again, I agree with the the content that Katy Perry's putting out there being inappropriate. Okay, I mean, can we agree? Can we agree on that? Wait, wait, Chris. A sex with demons? Yes, that's inappropriate. Yeah. But the way she's addressing him, it's okay. Sorry. Have because you are yes, leading more families astray. God, but your son is not serving God, so who's? And I have nothing to do with my son because of that. Not my son. Your son is not. You know why? Because of my daughter. Because he God is angry with thing. the wicked every day, and your daughter is but, wicked. I can't. It's the most it's uncomfortable thing in the world. It it's awful. Well, <laughs> let me say this about Katy Perry incredibly talented incredibly yeah, she's talented she's a, she is a beautiful woman there's no doubt about that the problem is the way that she uses her talents that she's been given and i think i bet if you if you talk to her parents again if we were to, if we were to call up her parents right now which we're not doing and talk to them about their daughter ask questions i bet in an honest moment they would say yes we're disappointed that she's not using their talents the way that we believe god would want her to and as a parent as a christian parent that's got to break their hearts that she's on the path that she's on. And I don't disagree with this woman's belief that what's being put out there is bad for kids, but don't get on this parent for his daughter's, for his child's bad behavior when you will not take responsibility for your child's bad behavior. If it's good for him, it's good for you, woman. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm pulling up the interview that I did with them back in 2012. It's been a while. It's okay. been three years. All right. Um, <clears throat> Sorry for my cough. I apologize, even though I don't. Um, yeah, I mean, he was actually in. There was de- uh, there was drama at the time. He had apparently made a comment that he was accused of anti-Semitism. That's what he was responding oh, to. Okay. Um, but you know, we we really didn't get into too many of the of the other pieces of the puzzle about his daughter and, and all of that. But look, it's not. It would not be surprising, as you said. Um, for them to feel that way. I don't, I don't know. I do know that there were a lot of sensitivities, which I was, I'm not going to go into the story, but about why he was upset with my story, not with the story, but with pictures, we chose to go with the story because they really, I think they're in a tough spot. I mean, look, they want to have their ministry and do what they, what they do. And they want to love their daughter and keep that relationship. And I think that has to be a tough thing in that sort of scenario. So, you know, look, why are you attacking the parents of this girl who's 30 years old? I just don't, I don't is quite she understand. 30? It. Is she that old? Uh, yeah. Wow. I'm looking right now, but she's, she's definitely, let's see here. She is 31. Wow. Wow. Well, anyway. Yeah. So, um, and you know, look, hopefully Katy Perry comes back to her faith Absolutely. eventually. I hope so. I mean, that's what you pray for. You pray for everybody that that happens, that they come to know Christ, right? That's that should be our goal, right? And in fact, I had a friend this morning that I, that God put on my heart this morning about five o'clock in the morning and said, "This is somebody you need to pray for. You need to contact." And so I'm in the middle of 
you know, writing a letter to this person and there's somebody who needs to know the Lord and, and needs to get their life right. And, and I just, I need to check up on them and I haven't, it's a, you know, it's anyway. amazing that God would want you to write a letter to yourself. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard of that, but well, I guess, down. you know, pipe down. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, it's we, real. You know what? We it's should probably, real. yeah, I know you've got interviews to do and I've got naps to take and I got to go listen to my Katy Perry records. So, well, you know, I don't have any Katy Perry records, by the way. Whatever. Don't don't lie. No, nope, nope. I'm not a fan. I'm not a pop guy. Believe it or not, we should get her parents on the show. Actually, that'd be we fun. Really I think it'd be interesting. I wonder. I, you know, see what they'd be willing to talk about. But it'd be fun to see if you can do that. Yeah, I think. Well, let's try. Let's try to get them on. All right. We last time we talked it was a little tense, but <laughs> let's try to get them on. Okay. <laughs> I don't have another can of, of Coke to here to open to close the show with, so. Perhaps we can do some bad. Anybody has do some bad, do some bad audio, and uh, we'll we'll close with some bad audio here. Uh, Pedro, uh, Mrs. Pedro, I hope you have a I hope you have a, um, a nice weekend. And uh, Billy, Billy, um, uh, guys, go yourself. Okay, uh, we will. Uh, we'll see you later, Billy. Any any words of wisdom, buddy? Um, Read your Torahs <laughs> and listen to your Katy Katy Perry. Oh, listen to your Katy Perry records. And we will... Your daughter is wicked. (laughs) You're having sex with Satan. (laughs) I can't. Church Boys.